up, everybody? You're listening to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. I'm your host, virtual marketing coach and fellow creative soul, Miranda Rodriguez. In this podcast, you'll get expert marketing guidance that you can implement on your own, and you'll learn how marketing your business can be simple, doable, and fun. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast, episode number 61. Today, we're talking about client follow-up and the role that plays in your overall sales process. I'm going to go through what my process is and then some general guidelines that you can put in place for yours. Now, to be clear, I'm not going to map out an actual sales process. I will give you some definitions and some examples. Um, I do reference a couple different things and people in this episode, so I want to get that out of the way up front so you're aware. Uh, I love HubSpot for good digestible information on topics like a sales process or understanding the difference between your mission, mission statement and your vision statement. So I do use HubSpot and I'll let you know when and where that comes up. And then another podcast and sales expert that I've been listening to a lot lately is the Stacey Bayman podcast. Stacey Bayman is a life coach. She is making loads of money. Um, And the reason she's making so much money is because she knows her shit. And so her sales processes and specifically her pod, I love her podcast in general for business tips, but um, she used to be a direct seller. She used to, I think her thing is like she used to sell mops at Walmart. And at some point she sold some other sort of cutlery or kitchen stuff. And she was doing like in-store pop-up shows. And so um, she has some hardcore sales background. Again, Stacey Bayman, you can find her podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And HubSpot are the two references today. So I recently got a message from someone saying they struggle with client follow-up and they're looking for some feedback on it. And it really got me thinking about our entire sales process as entrepreneurs and how many, many of us in the beginnings of our business are lacking structure and processes, especially when it comes to our selling techniques. Um, We don't want to just wing it. Winging it is fine if you're in the beginnings of your business and you haven't quite figured out your process yet. Um, you do have to do a certain amount of winging it and experimenting before you can actually like sit down and figure out a structure and a process, even loosely. Um, but just having that loose structure, that loose process eliminates a lot of the guesswork and the decision work when it comes to selling and following up with potential clients. Now, if you haven't yet, I would pause this episode now and go back and listen to episode number 57, Defining Your Customer's Journey, because we're going to apply a very similar strategy to mapping out our own sales process in this episode right now. So go ahead and do that. If you haven't yet, if you have, awesome. Let's keep going. So HubSpot defines a sales process as a repeatable set of steps a sales team takes to move a prospect from an early stage lead to a closed customer. A strong sales process helps reps consistently close deals by giving them a framework to follow. So basically, it's a set of steps that you put in place. As an entrepreneur, you create these steps, you put these in place, 
you practice them and you tweak them. But it's just a framework, a set of guidelines for you to follow each and every time because you want to get to a point where your sales process is just automated, where you've taken the guesswork out of each step of it. Like, am I going to get this client or not? Like you just know there are some questions you can answer that we'll get to at the end of this. There is an exercise for you that you can answer. I'm not sure how many of you know this, but when I was fresh out of college with a marketing degree, my first job was actually a sales job. I was a district sales manager for Avon. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure you're familiar with Avon. I think most of us have some story about one of our aunts or our grandmas like selling Avon. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe you did. Um, selling Avon, but they actually, Avon had a corporate office. And so I was part of Avon Corporate. It was a full-time salaried position. And I was in charge of a market on the South side of Chicago that was selling over $1 million worth of Avon products annually. So when I was say I'm in, I was in charge of a market, I was in charge of a territory If you're in sales, you're probably getting, or you were like this rush of familiarity, like deja vu, like territories and regional managers and stuff. So a district sales manager in a territory. So like a set, I had a set boundary, set boundaries on the South side of Chicago. Um, I can't even remember the streets that were my cutoff streets at this point, but Within that, those boundaries then, I was responsible for recruiting Avon sales representatives. So the actual people who would sell Avon. Um, And at the time, you know, that was back in 2010, I started that job. In October of 2010, I had just turned 23 and was entering my first real world gig, my first sales role, and I was the youngest district sales manager in the country. Um, I had a lot to learn in that role. And to this day, especially now as an entrepreneur, I am super grateful for all that role taught me, especially for the selling techniques. Um, and at the time, I felt like, you know, I had a lot to prove. We would go to these like national trainings where all the new managers would go. And there was actually a rumor about a district sales manager that was 23. And like someone said it to me. I was like, did you hear? There's a 23-year-old here. And I was like, yes, bitch, that's me. <laughs> that's how it went. That was, um, man, that was a big learning experience. And I think for, for a lot of us, if you went to college and then got out of college, you know, I hadn't, it's not like I'd never had a job before. I've worked since I was 16, but it was just that, that level of responsibility and that coming of age in your first, like, full-time role where you have long-term potential there. Um, so, so at 23, right, I was young and new to the role. And actually, many of the women in my district had been selling Avon longer than I'd been alive, which was incredibly intimidating to me because I was concerned about getting along with the women, being able to fulfill my role as a district sales manager with my quotas that I had to meet as far as recruitment and sales, and then dealing with the cattiness and the judgment and all of the politics and everything that the drama that goes into managing a team of over 300 women that are double your age and have been doing your job for as long as you've been alive. So Again, huge learning experience. And I just want to say like 
bless my regional manager, Dan Moody's heart. Shout out to Dan Moody if he's still out there. Um, He was so patient and so willing to foster my growth in the role that I really actually learned a lot and I really did grow in that position. And I would say I'd like to apologize. Like at the time that I got brought into the district, he was on his way out and he was um, just two years from retirement. And I think that I just chased his ass right out the door. Because I I was just having a hard time in that role. I, there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of, um, I don't, just a lot of learning moments now looking back at it. A lot of catty, catty, catty people. Um, anyway, so here's what I learned about sales from that job. So I ended up being laid off there. I was there about two years. And Um, In those two years, you know, I learned a lot because that is a, if you're familiar with Avon, it is a direct selling, what's it, direct selling network, direct marketing um, company. So they are, they empower the people that sell Avon to, and I don't know if it works like this anymore, but basically as, as a district sales manager, I was responsible for recruiting people that wanted to sell Avon and then encouraging them and working with them to recruit their own team of women to sell Avon underneath them. And there were all sorts of benefits from there. So what I learned is that it's important to have a process and to understand what the next step is for you and your customer every step of the way. And this includes the verbiage you're going to use in a sales call, and one like in a first time encounter, a consultation, all the way through like techniques for gently pushing your client along. If you can hear some background noise, that's because I brought the puppy to the office today. So Apollo is just he's a little puppy and he's just exploring the office for the first time. He just woke up from his nap. So all right, back to what I learned about sales. Um, it's important to have a process and to understand what the next step is for your customer and the verbiage and techniques to get from A to B. So whatever the outcome of the meeting, the goal for the outcome of the meeting is, you want to understand what you need to do as the person in control of that meeting to get your client where you want them to go. Number two that I learned is always ask for the sale. Always Um, And I'll get to this point in a little later in my own process. Number three, people trust people, not brands. And people build relationships with other people and other individuals, not with businesses. So, you know, I would get people to sign up for me because they were attracted to my personality and my selling style. I got a ton of women that they hadn't seen around that age because I was that age and I was relatable at the time and I could speak that language. Um, I got people like inviting me into their home and all sorts of like telling me their deepest, darkest secrets and problems. Um, That just tends to be I am I have a very welcoming face and a very like accessible personality. And so um, that is one of the side effects. I get to hear a lot of people's secrets and problems. So people trust people. Number four, get comfortable hearing no. So this is a statistic I learned then. I think it applies in general to sales. Um, On average, it takes 10 no's to get to one yes. So in this role as a district sales manager where I was responsible for recruiting other women, not just women, other people to sell Avon, 
I had to actually like cold call. Like we would go door to door canvassing neighborhoods. We would approach people in the supermarket. It was it was like one huge two year long exercise in getting out of my comfort zone and practicing introducing myself and repeating who I am and what I do over and over and over so that everyone in my district knew who I was and that I was the Avon lady. Um, And then the last thing, the fifth and final thing that I learned, my biggest takeaway from that job was the difference between gentle reminders and pushy follow-ups. So reminders are just that. They're reminders to our clients. Hey, we said we were going to do this blah, blah, blah. There's no drama. There's no pushiness. There's no sleaziness. And follow-ups repeatedly, especially to me, feel a little more dramatic and a little less good. Um, All right. Now, as an entrepreneur, here's how I apply these techniques. And this is where um, I highly recommend you check out Stacey Bayman. At the very least, just listen to one of her sales technique podcasts. She has great, great, great advice, especially um, selling tips. But here we go. So in my process, the first thing you have to do, my first piece of advice to you is to decide how many offers you have, right? Like how many offers are on the table? Now, I've been in business three years in October, and I've I've had um, to work really hard to get to a place where I only have two offers now, and they actually work hand in hand. So most of you know, I have the Jumpstart, which is a 90-minute one-on-one laser-focused marketing meeting that where we develop your marketing foundation for your business, on which everything else we do after that is built. And then I have one-on-one marketing coaching. So generally, I like people to go straight from the jumpstart into one-on-one coaching, and I have designed it as such. Now, it hasn't always been that way. I've had multiple different types of offers. I've had, I've like made myself available for hourly consulting. So it's like whatever you want as the client, I can just do that for an hour. Um, and that didn't work because I ended up like taking on a lot of stuff that I didn't actually want to do. So I've streamlined it. I have two main offers and they work in succession. And I believe in the way I've set those up. I believe in 100% the fact that most clients need to do the jumpstart first and before they move into one-on-one coaching. Um, It's just a great setup and it's super simple. Like I don't even have to think about it anymore. Um, Now, okay. (laughs) All right, moving on. So first decide how many offers and keep it simple. Then I repeatedly tell people who I am and what I do while delivering as much value as possible so that I can build trust with my audience. Now, this is a direct Stacey Bayman piece of advice. She says to, and she, her audience is life coaches. So even if you're not a life coach though, I would think a lot of her sales techniques could apply. So just getting in front of as many people as possible, telling them who you are and what you do while delivering value. So they understand how you can help them. Um, after that, so that would be like this podcast or social media. And then from there, my goal is to get interested clients to schedule a free 30 minute consultation so we can see if it's a right fit. Some people advocate not for not having free consultations. Some people advocate for longer ones or shorter ones. Um, I do offer free 30-minute consultations because I feel that that's the best way to make sure that 
the potential client and I are in agreement on what this relationship will look like in the future. That's an opportunity for me, again, to repeat who I am and what I do, to share a little bit more like personal stuff, like really let them get to know me a little bit. And then also to kind of set boundaries and expectations, like here's what I do, here's how we can work together, and here's what it will look like. And being super clear with how I deliver those expectations because I am a marketing coach, so I don't do any executing. So this is a unique marketing role that I have created. There are lots of marketing coaches out there, so it's like not unique to the industry, but it's unique in that not a lot of people have had experience with marketing coaching specifically before. Um, And then from there, during that 30-minute consultation is when I will ask for the sale if I feel it's a fit. Now, this is important. I know who, who my ideal clients are. So if I don't think that that is the right fit, or, you know, I'll give people, I weigh it out right then and there. And if I think it's a fit, then I sell them on it. And I used to wait and follow up with an email and just like make that free 30-minute consultation, just a free 30-minute coaching consultation. And then I realized like I was losing interest actually. And I was missing an opportunity to sell people when they were interested, when they had given me permission to talk to them about my business. So I, I've changed that. Um, and I have not, now I have a much higher closure rate, right? So I can, by selling people in person, I'm getting that commitment now. I do follow up with an email with their permission and their interest in the next step, which is usually the jump start. And then I send next steps for working together for the offer I made during our call and include asking for a specific date and time to schedule their jump start meeting. So you want to be as specific as possible while guiding these people to the next step. And then once they've confirmed the day and time, and I say this all in the email, I let them know I'll be sending the deposit and invoice once they've like accepted the calendar invite um, for the day and time. And then I go ahead and I send over the jumpstart um, deposit invoice. Now, here's where we can answer the question. Here's where we can answer the question about follow-up. I don't refer to it as a client follow-up because like I said earlier, I think that's where a lot of us get caught up in our minds. Like I think just the very term client follow-up seems salesy. It can be kind of uncomfortable. Like that's where we're getting those, that mix of feelings and like weird thoughts around it, right? So I just call them client reminders because that's actually what I'm doing. I'm only reminding clients about what we've already talked about and what they've already agreed to verbally. So if a client doesn't reply to my post-consultation email with the next steps that we agreed to verbally during the consultation, um, even though they said they were interested, then I just send a reminder email a few days later. So if they don't reply to the post-consultation email, which was agreed to, then um, I kind of, I let it go for a few days, right? I don't follow up that day or the next. Uh, I generally do about four days, definitely no longer than seven. And this is where you can get like into the nitty gritty salesy timeline of things. Like some people will say, you know, four days is too long. They're no longer a hot lead. They're a cold lead. Seven days is definitely too long. You've lost their interest. But I have, you know, in that case, I would say you kind of have to read the room and gauge your your client. And I have some clients who are very busy and very poor at checking their email. So seven days 
was a good time because they're like, oh yeah, I forgot and I'm just getting back to this now. Or sometimes people are going out of town. Um, and so you just have to also set expectations on the call. Like if I don't hear from you, I'll follow up in a few days and then you know I'll be here if you ever want to reach out again. Um, so usually I get a response. So if they, when I, if they don't follow up to the first email, um, if they don't reply to the first email, then I follow up to that one time only and just ask a little more directly if they had seen the email I already sent and if they were ready to set up their appointment or not. So be direct, ask questions you want answers to, and then keep it moving. Um, usually I get a response from them at that point, right? Because I've kind of taken the pressure off and saying like, I'm not saying, hey, maybe you've thought about it and you're reconsidering. I'm just saying, just give me an answer, please, right? That's all I want. I just want an answer. I am not dead set on them signing up for me because I know and I believe that there are more clients to follow. So if they don't sign on, it's okay. It's not a big deal. So maybe take some of the drama away from that in your mind as well. There are always more clients. I promise you. So when I get that response um, from like the second follow-up follow email with some sort of explanation, I reply to either, either set up their first appointment based on what they said or say something like, thanks for the update. I'll be here when you decide you're ready. And I keep it moving. I never end on a bad note. I like to keep my door open and let people know they can reach out to me. Um, but I also just let them know, like, I'm not going to hound you anymore. You know how to find me, right? And that's what, so that's another reason for being accessible and being visible. You want people to be reminded of that. All right, so now we're getting to the exercise portion. So number one, you want to ask yourself, what is your sales process? And this is just, I want you to roughly map it out. Grab a pen, grab a paper, and just think through right now, what is your current sales process? And if you don't have one like written down somewhere, you probably are practicing some sort of process and maybe not even realizing it. So just jot it down and then evaluate it. Is it working for you or not? And then from there, you want to tweak it and then maybe research it, practice it, and then learn from learn from it about what's holding you back. Okay, so what is your sales process? I can't answer this question for you. I can certainly help you work through this um, if you want to work through it together, but I cannot answer this for you. So roughly map it out. What are you currently doing? Evaluate it, tweak it, do some research if you need to and then practice it and then really learn what's holding you back. Like I realized me not asking for the sale when I had that person right in front of me in a 30 minute consultation was a huge missed opportunity. And it was because I was uncomfortable with asking them on the spot for that amount of money for a jump start. And it's not even a lot of money, guys. We're talking $395. Like it's not a lot. So I had to do work to get myself to be comfortable and be like, yeah, damn, it's totally worth $395. And if, you know, like to work, to reinforce that belief, I have, I just go and read my reviews from people about that. Um, now HubSpot does reference a, an actual sales process. So their sales process is number one, prospect. Number two, connect and qualify. Number three, research. Four, present. Five, handle objections. So this is what I do when I present my offer. 
on a consultation call. By doing it in person, I'm able to handle any upcoming objections. Then close the sale, then communicate and continue to sell, right? So that's a great structure if you are just starting out and you want to follow that, or you can just start. Don't overcomplicate it. Do what you already have um, and tweak it, though, so it works for you. All right. The second question to ask yourself is what type of people do you want to work with? Do you want to work with someone you have to chase down? Do you want to work with someone who is disorganized and will miss appointments? Or do you want to work with someone who can follow through, who can commit, who is driven, and can stay on task? I will tell you right now, my services do not suit disorganized people well. And the reason I don't chase clients down is because this is coaching. So you have to be able to execute these things on your own. And I can't be responsible for doing your homework for you. And that includes getting you to the point where you're ready to commit to marketing coaching, right? So I just kind of step back. Let go of some control in that situation. Trust that if it doesn't work out this time, maybe it will in the future, or maybe it's just not right with them. Then I want you to write these things down. So answer these questions. What's your sales process? What type of people do you want to work with? Put them in front of you, reference them, stick to them, modify them, and then repeat. The more you can automate your processes in your business, the better. And this goes from everything from your sales process to your creation process to your promotional process and your marketing process. And that's what I'm here to help you do. Just develop a bunch of little processes that can make your business run better, more efficient, and ultimately grow your business to achieve your goals. So that's it for today. I know it's kind of a a long one, um, but it ended up, it ended up growing a lot um, from the point of client follow-up to defining your sales process. So let me know if you have questions. Again, the important thing here is first decide how many offers you have on the table, keeping it simple, being direct as possible, you know, setting expectations. And then um, the actual exercises we went through are mapping out your sales process and deciding what type of people you want to work with. All right, stay tuned because we're going to talk about on the upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about a couple things that go hand in hand with this. We're going to talk about um, getting clients from prospects to paid, getting them from, well, actually, that's that's actually what we just did. So, um, and then business boundaries are coming up. So there we go. I hope you guys have a great afternoon. I don't know if when you're listening to this, but thanks so much for tuning in. As always, you can learn more at marketinguninhibited.com or find me on Instagram and a shorter video version of this podcast at marketinguninhibited. You can schedule a free consultation at marketinguninhibited.com. It's called a coffee date. And I look forward to talk to you guys soon. Have a great day.